Hey, please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, please raise your hands. Nice and high. Any Bible, anyone? Everyone came prepared, I guess. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea... And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on a good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in uh, verse 18, the interpretation. Jesus speaking, therefore hear the words of the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This he who uh, he receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root In himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, pray, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts this morning and till the soil, Lord, that we would have hearts, Lord, where your seed goes deep and our life becomes uh, abounding in fruit, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. One, the team, the missions team that's going with us to Peru, you who are going uh, with us to Peru, we will be meeting one hour after the service. And so just an announcement for those folks. Also wanted to announce that this Saturday evening, there will be a youth with a mission missions team who will be joining us with our Saturday night witnessing. Youth with a Mission is sort of a discipleship training kind of uh, missions organization where they take young men and women for about six months and train them how to be disciples. And at the last, uh, in the last month, they sort of go out on a, 
a missions trip and they're coming to Boston because they think Boston is uh, uh, worthy of having a missions uh, organization or team come. I can't agree more. And they called out of the blue and said, look, is there anything we can come alongside uh, with you on? And so they're going to be going out with uh, the folks from our church who go out each Saturday night, and I would invite all of you uh, to come out and join them. That's, uh, that'll be Saturday night. That will be at, they will be meeting at my house and there is, uh, I believe, seven women and a man coming. And so we're uh, looking forward to uh, going out with them into, into uh, the surrounding neighborhood. Okay. That's at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock at uh, my house. Yeah, Guillermo. Yeah, the, the, the following Monday, which is July 4th, the same, uh, our witnessing team is going to be going out with the Jews for Jesus uh, over to the Esplanade, I believe, by the way, where there's a, uh, there's a, a concert each uh, summer on July 4th, and that's uh, where they'll be going. Okay, so parable of the sower, some call, or the farmer, if you will, some call it parable of the four soils. Because there are four categories, four kinds of soils, which the seed, which the seed representing the Word of God, falls into. And as we discussed last week, the first soil is described in verse 4, which says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And that word wayside in the Greek is the word, uh, Greek word hodos, which means like a, a dirt road. The soil or dirt on this road is extremely hard after years of people walking over it. And this represents the soil of people who have become totally hardened and calloused uh, after a life of resisting God and openly embracing all kinds of substitutes for uh, that the world has for God, and they have spent a lifetime manufacturing arguments uh, which they constantly make to that still small voice that's gently speaking to them, God's voice, uh, gently speaking to their heart, and, uh, that they can, they're entitled to live a life contrary uh, to the Word of God. They have spent a lifetime arguing to their own conscience of why they are not accountable to God or anyone else and arguing that uh, they are justified really to do anything and everything that they want to do. And so uh, notice that it was not sin itself that hardened their hearts. The Bible really teaches it's not sin that hardens our heart. It's the arguments that we make to justify the sin that harden um, our hearts. And that's what happened over time, over years. Their hearts became hardened. And so when the seed, the Word of God, was thrown onto their heart, it just, it was so hard, it, it didn't fall into the soil. It, it just bounces right off the heart. It, it, it is so hard. They hear it, and it makes no sense to them. It sounds like gibberish. It sounds like foolishness. The Bible says of these people, Professing to be wise, they become 
fool. So what happens? Verse 16 says, the word of God uh, that is not penetrated uh, that has not penetrated their hearts. It's, it's, it's exposed. And so Satan comes and steals it away. And the people, these people, walk away after hearing God's word, just as convinced as ever uh, that they, ha- they are right and God's word is wrong. That's the first soil. The second category of soil is described in Matthew 13, verse 5, where it says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now, unlike the first kind of soil, this soil is not totally hard, as we saw with the soil on the dirt road. This soil is soft, but the layer of soil is very thin. And it's on top of stones and between stony places. Steffi and I took a uh, a hike this week uh, over in the woods of Dover, which is about a half hour uh, west of here. It's I think it's the best kept secret in Boston. There's 700 acres with uh, 17 miles of trails, and there's no one on them. And uh, I grew up just adjacent to this place, and. And I just love going out there. And at the top of a couple of the hills of these woods, there are this exposed granite and rock that you sometimes see in Massachusetts. And we saw this thing firsthand. Just in between, you know, you're walking around the cliff, and just in between these cracks, there's just a little dirt with some grass just coming out. And it's just the type of thing, though, that's the grass is very unstable. It's, it doesn't have any root. It's just below it there is... Uh, there's there's stone, and so it's easily destroyed by the sun or uh, creatures like my wife and I are walking around on it. So uh, the p- plants and grass that uh, sprout up in these places are exposed. They have no root. The sun scorches it and destroys it. Verse 20 says that this soil represents the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But then look at verse uh, 21. Verse 21 says that they endure only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles or falls away. And so this person immediately received the word of God, but not long after they immediately left. They rushed in the front door and then they rushed out the back. Why? Verse 20 says, there was no root. Their decision was an emotional decision. They went to a church or a concert or a revival. They got swept up in the emotional excitement of what was going on. They decide to go along with the whole thing. They're filled with joy because sort of everyone else's joy is rubbing off on them or whatever, but their decision was only skin deep. They are just like the soil in stony places. Emotional decisions are often highly unstable decisions. God forbid that we're making decisions about our relationship with God that are emotionally based. The divorce rate in this country 
is so high. Because among other reasons, so many people are making their decision to be married based on emotion. A young lady is out on a date. It's a candlelit dinner. The guy sitting in front of her looks like he's got a body that was made in heaven itself. The curves of his face look like they were sculpted by Michelangelo. The words from his lips, it's like the words of an angel, you know. And the next thing she hears, will you marry me? Never mind, it's the first date, you know. And with her heart racing as fast as a supersonic jet, she immediately, with joy, says, Yeah! You know, how can I turn this down? You know, must be right. My heart's pounding fast enough sort of deal. And and it was a decision that was based uh, purely on emotional. But let me tell you, when that heavenly body adds on 45 pounds in the wrong places, when those curves that were chiseled by Michelangelo have three days of stubble on them with breakfast on top of it one morning, and when the words from the lips of the angel turn into selfish, uncaring, angry words of, of an ogre, that emotional feeling that she felt on the day he proposed is not going to carry the day. It's not going to carry the day. The decision to marry someone, and listen, much, 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 much more, the decision to follow God must be made by putting all emotions aside, putting the emotions on the shelf, counting the cost, and making a decision of the will. You know, the a life with Christ is the most glorious life imaginable. If you count the costs of following Jesus and then after weighing the costs, you make a decision to follow him, you will have blessings beyond what you've ever imagined. You will have joy, security, and peace that the world spends a lifetime running after and paying a fortune for. You will have the greatest adventure uh, that you ever dreamed of, but just like marriage, but much, much, much more so than marriage, there are costs. Following Jesus is costly. We read in Matthew chapter 5, there are times where Jesus will ask you to cut off a hand or pluck out an eye. Now, of course, he's speaking figuratively, but let me tell you, cutting out that sin or cutting out that destructive relationship or cutting out uh, that selfish ambition you have with your career or that habit that has kept you in bondage or that whatever, that job that has turned into an idol, that laziness, that pride, that self-centeredness, that anger can be just as gut-wrenching emotionally as cutting off a limb. Jesus is never, however, 
ask something to do so gut-wrenching unless it's necessary. Jesus never had anyone cut off a hand or pluck out an eye that didn't turn out to be good riddance to the person losing it. But it hurts. It is costly. So the soil where the seed fell in stony places was a thin soil. Verse 21 says it has no root. This is the person making an emotional decision to follow God. They don't count the cost, so it's very shallow and short-lived decision. These people, these hearts, hadn't let God do anything beneath the surface in their hearts. And, and let me tell you, sometimes that surface work can look very convincing to an outsider. And sometimes, you know, you, someone can go to a church service, they can get caught up in the emotion, they can make a decision for, for Christ or whatever, they can go home, they can rip the ungodly posters off the wall, they can throw away the CDs that don't glorify God, they can flush the, the, the drugs down the toilet, they'll even stick a fish on the back of their car. The, the, the surface is all cleaned up, but the secret place is in the heart. The places where the Word of God can and must go in order to do that real work of salvation are left untouched. So there was no deep roots ever formed. As verse 20 says, beneath the surface there are stony places. Their hearts just below the surface are as hard as stone. So verse 21 says that when tribulation comes, not if tribulation comes, but when it comes, says when persecution comes, not if persecution comes, immediately they stumble. The word for stumble in the Greek means scandaloso, means offended. In other words, they're saying, hey, wait a second, you didn't tell me I had to cut off a hand. You didn't tell me I had to pluck out an eye. You didn't tell me that this stuff would hurt. And they are offended. The tribulation comes and they are offended at the faith that such a short time ago they immediately accepted with joy. And verse 21 says, immediately they leave. They're out the door. Their faith had no root. A faith that is real will have roots, deep roots. Probably the best example in the Bible of a faith that had real roots was the faith of Job. Job was a man whose life was greatly blessed by God. But from one day to the next, his house was completely destroyed. All his sons and daughters were killed. His entire body was afflicted with painful boils. The Bible says from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. While all this was happening, what did Job say? The only thing basically he could declare was this, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His wife came up to him and said, why do you still hold fast to your faith? Curse God and die. What did Job say to her? This is an amazing thing. He said to his wife, you speak as a fool. Shall we accept good from God and not adversity? At which point it is believed that she uh, left him. Job was so devastated by this trial. Now, just because he kept 
his faith was intact. Doesn't mean he wasn't de devastated. He was so devastated that three friends came to comfort him, and it says they sat by him for seven days and seven nights and didn't say a word. So great was the grief of the person they were grieving with. Ever been